0: Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David, and I'm the CEO here at Church Home, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Judah around the person of Jesus and his love for you. And hey, if we can serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out and chat with a pastor on our pastor chat tool, which you can find on our website or on the Church Home app. And if you've been impacted in any way, by this message, we wanna invite you to join those who so generously give to tell the story of Jesus across this globe. Go ahead and visit us on churchhome.org slash give or text the word generosity to 97000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Welcome church, I'm so glad you tuned in. Uh, I gotta admit, I'm really, really excited to share this particular message with you, we're going to come around the topic of freedom. By now, I'm sure you know, I've titled this sermon, Freely, Freely. I guess, in a way, I'm hoping that some of you have clicked on this sermon, this message, maybe even just for the enticement of the title. If you're like me, well, I could use some more freedom in my life. We're gonna come around this concept. Again, the title is Freely, Freely. Here's the simple question I wanna ask you, and frankly, ask myself, and I have been for the last couple of weeks. Am I living freely? Now, I wanna say this, I won't be speaking specifically to the state of continents and countries. In fact, recent research declares that only 20% of the world's population are living in how we define or what we say is a free country. So quite literally, I am aware, and I hope now you are aware, that the vast majority of the world's population doesn't even live in a political landscape or setting that is, by definition, free. Tragic as that is, I want to speak specifically to the emotional, spiritual, internal state of freedom. Are you living free? The scripture declares, For freedom, we have been set free. Isn't that interesting? It literally means God has set you free. Are you living free? Which is to say, you can be freed from your error, wrong, and sin through Jesus, and yet not live in the fullness of your freedom. Oh, I just am so excited to talk about this topic with you. And it's definitely one of those sermons that if something comes to mind that I'm starting to talk about that really, really resonates with you, you know, there is something said about the different ways that we learn, listen, grow, develop, and mature. Maybe write some stuff down. Make a mental note. Maybe get your notes out on your phone. Write it down. This might be one of those sermons that I think kind of stick around in your back pocket and carry with you on your journey through life. Uh, Our middle son, Judah Elliott Wendell Smith, he's got the longest name of our three kids. By the way, alert, or I should say alert, I should say breaking news, also not breaking news, but a little update on the Smith family. Uh, We are now 18, 16, 13. Uh, That is our kids, two boys and a little girl, uh, Chelsea is, I won't say her age, but uh, we're not as young as we used to, but she has never been more beautiful, and the Smith family is well. We love you, love your family. My 16-year-old, who's now some six foot four, 200 pounds, he is a mammoth man. When he was younger, we had a little thing. Uh, when the kids would fight, or when they would have a bad attitude, um, once we got done talking it through, it was asked, in a way kind of required of our kids to ask their sibling, to ask their mom, their dad, their friend to forgive them if they had wronged them. My dad used to say the four hardest words in the English language are, will you forgive me? So that's kind of been our habit, right? We've taught our kids like, hey, when you have hurt someone, wronged someone, offended someone, had a bad attitude with someone, you, you acknowledge it, and then after, maybe an engagement, a conversation, you ask them, hey, hey, will you forgive me? And you give that person an opportunity to say, I do. In the Smith family, we've always seen that is actually essential in the journey. You're, you're going to have to recognize that you need forgiveness, you're gonna have to give forgiveness, and man, we're gonna have to remember that we have already been forgiven from God through the finished work of Jesus. Now, one of the things I loved about Elliot when he was younger is, for some reason, will you forgive me never kinda made, that sentence never came out right. And so Elliot would always say, will for you give me? Will for you give me? And it started probably when he was three or four, something like that, and he'd say to his older brother Zion, Zion, will for you give me? And it was like a little accent, you know? And I just was like, oh, buddy. I just, so at one point, I think I've told you this story before, church. At one point, Zion is, you know, let's call it 11, something like that. And it's registering to Zion. like, that's not how you say it. And he'd be like, Elliot, that's not how you say it. And Elliot would be like, what? And one time Elliot's in the back of a car ride and he says to the family, I know I don't say it white. I know I don't say it white. But he always would say, will for you give me. Now he's six foot four, 200 pounds, and frankly, he just says, will you forgive me? But boy, do I miss those days. And Chelsea and I would kind of brace ourselves in some bizarre parental way to kind of be like, we can't wait. You know, our, our hearts would melt every time our middle baby boy would say, will for you give me? Sorry, dad, will for you give me? And I would say, yeah, I forgive you, buddy. And I remember telling Zion, "Don't you ever correct your brother?" He says it exactly the way he needs to say it. It is fine, but I want to make an observation about my young son's incorrect statement. Might have been more correct than I thought. Will for you give me? I want to say this about forgiveness, and I want to say this about generosity. It's for you. It's for you. Will for you give to me, will you give to me forgiveness? Because when you do, it will benefit me dearly. Right, what do they say about forgiveness, for instance? This entire message isn't totally around forgiveness, but when talking about living in freedom, forgiveness kind of tops the list in the teachings of Jesus around freedom. What's that old statement they say about forgiveness? Well, unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment is like eating rat poison and watching the rat and waiting for it to die. In other words, it doesn't make sense. You are holding yourself hostage with resentment, envy, jealousy, bitterness, right? All of these things actually do not serve you. They do not benefit you in your journey in life. Now, Easy for me to say, right? I'm standing here and you're like, okay, yeah, you want me to forgive. Who is it? Is it it dad? Is it mom? Is it a boss? Is it a coworker? Former business partner who took all the money and now you had to file for bankruptcy? Will for you give to him or her or them? It's for you, you know. This message about freely freely is for you. Are you going to live Free. Make no mistake about it. I make no apologies. These next 30 minutes or less are for you. Elliot, if you're watching, son, in a lot of ways, in your childish way, you were right. Will for you give to me. Will for you. It's 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 you that are going to be benefited and blessed as you freely give forgiveness, and frankly, freely give money, freely give time. It's incredible. In the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about the detriment of keeping score in life. Life, oh sure, a basketball game, a tennis match, a golf, keep score, that's fun, that's great. But what you can't do in life is keep score. That won't make you more free. That way won't make you more thrilled that won't make you more fulfilled. It actually will shrink and minimize your life day by day. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. One of my favorite writers, thinkers, and philosophers, he said, you know, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that true? In fact, sermons on forgiveness, everyone loves when they don't have a grudge or unforgiveness, or hurt, or bitterness. Now I wanna shoot straight with you just for a moment. Well, maybe more than just for a moment. Hopefully for the next 17 years as your pastor and preacher. But I wanna say this, as I stand right now preaching this sermon in real time, in this studio, recording this sermon for you and for me, I want you to know there is more than one situation in my life right now in real time then I am having to decide not to forgive once, but every day. Do you know what that's like? You know what I mean? There's certain things that happen to you in your life. You forgive on Thursday, but by the time you wake up Friday morning, you're like, I'm mad again. And so on Friday, you got to forgive again. Now, maybe Saturday you wake up and you're like, oh, I still feel like I just forgive them and it's okay. But here comes Sunday or Maybe it's Monday, Tuesday, and all of a sudden, somebody says something. You get in a conversation, and you feel like you're becoming that rubber band ball again. You're getting all wound up, and you're getting all in your head about what they did and how they did it, and here it is again. You got to forgive again. Now, I want to say this about forgiveness. This message isn't exclusively, again, about forgiveness, but people think forgiveness is like this one-time thing, and it's not. It's like vitamins, right? It's like the greens juice I try to drink every morning. One little scoop, and I can get in, man, I get in all my salads and, I don't know, cucumbers and squashes that I need in this greens drink. Now, I can take the greens drink one day and six months later be like, yeah, no, I, I, I eat my vegetables. Like, well, you haven't had vegetables for six months. Forgiveness is definitely one of those things. Oftentimes, it's it's a daily practice. Well, of course it is, right? Remember the disciples were watching Jesus pray one time and they were so mesmerized and taken aback by his prayers and how he was doing it and the length in which he did it, they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. When you pray, think about your Father, think about where he is, he's in heaven, and pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, how often does the Scripture tell you to pray? That's Jesus' primary teaching on how to pray, and then the Scripture overwhelming evidence says you can pray all the time. You can pray without ceasing. You pray every day, multiple times a day. So, isn't that interesting? It is very clear in Scripture that every time you pray, your prayer should include forgiveness. Accepting that you've been forgiven through Jesus and then extending forgiveness to whoever needs it. And for some of us, it could be the same individual, the same person, every day for a long, long time. But I'm telling you, that's the portal and path to freedom. To freedom. Now, your emotions, your brain, your body, your logic, your body has memories. There is so many people that I'm speaking to right now. There has been a travesty against you. There has been trauma done to you. So by no means, as we move forward, and you know I'll be probably a little cheeky and sarcastic and we'll have fun in the next few minutes that we share, but I, I, I have no intent of minimizing the wrong that has been done to you. I have every intention in the next few minutes to maximize that you can still live free. And that brings us to the scripture that really captured me not too long ago in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus is sending out his disciples to start to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry, by the way, has so much to do with those who have been marginalized and overlooked. Jesus is very specific. I want you to heal sick people. I want you to restore lepers. I want you to look out for those who are lame and blind. I want you to care for the out. So a big part of what we do as Jesus followers is to those who have been overlooked, those who have been marginalized in the myriad of different ways that it happens all over the earth, We are to be conscious, aware, careful, caring, get involved, and make a difference. Jesus says the characteristic of the words we use should be: let everyone know that they can change the way they think because God has come near. The old way of saying it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That Language doesn't have a lot of weight in our culture. It doesn't even necessarily make sense. I say the word repent, and maybe you think of the guy on the corner as you were walking into the baseball game or the football game or the basketball game here in the USA, telling you, repent, repent, repent. But but repent simply means change the way you think and change the way you see your world. And the question is, well, why would I do that? Because God is near. He's moved into the neighborhood. He lived amongst us and he's changed the world as we know it, so change the way you think. We were told to tell everyone, you can change the way you see your world. You can change the way you think, because God has come near in the person of Jesus. He's changed everything. There is, in fact, a new world order. There's a new way to be human, and you can change the way you think. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, specifically verse 8, he's telling his 12 disciples, these 12 young men, now go, tell everybody God's near. They can change their view. They can change their their line of thinking. pattern of thinking. Jesus can change everything, heal people, help people, serve people, love people, and then he says, you didn't pay anything for this, so don't demand payment from anybody else. Isn't that, wow, Matthew 10 and verse 8. Check it out when you get a chance. He says, one translation says, freely you have received, now freely give. And that's where I got my title, Freely Freely. Freely, freely. How important is freedom to God and us living in it? In his great commission of his 12 strategically handpicked young men, he says, tell the whole world they can change their mind help people practically, care for people who won't be touched, acknowledged, or even looked at or spoken to, engage with them, heal them, restore them, help them, and remember, God has been so generous with you, so you live so generously with those around you. Does that describe your journey? Does that describe my journey? Freely, freely? Freely, freely. And when people look at your face, is it freely, freely? When people hear you talk about money, do they think freely, freely? When you think about maybe your marriage, do you think freely, freely? You think about going to work, is it freely, freely? Think about your coworkers, is it freely, freely? And and honestly, that starts to be a bit jarring, doesn't it? Because for many of us, that's, that's the last thing that work or family or holidays or new year or new diet or new workout or new Bible reading or new study or new romance or new friendship or any is freely freely how you feel I mean I got to be honest with you church I love you but January 1st in the western world is not the most freeing time for most people it's when they kind of regret all the stuff they ate and drank in the holidays this is kind of the the how should i say kind of the the ebb and flow of the western world and January 1 rolls around and Here comes everybody, Christians included, and we're all like, you know, people that don't know Jesus say, I'm gonna go on a diet. People who do know Jesus um, say they're gonna fast, which oftentimes is more diet than anything else because we just wanna do what everybody else is doing, get back to the fitness club, get back to the church, and kind of improve our life. Are you free? Do you feel free? Or are we kind of like everybody else in the world, just feeling like I'm not really free, maybe focused, maybe passionate, maybe intentional, but, but am I free? What do I mean by free? I mean open-hearted and open-handed. Now think about it. You and I somehow instinctively know what it is to have a closed hand and a closed heart, not willing to share and give, and then not willing to open up and be vulnerable and candid. Are you living freely? Let me ask you a few questions. Are you generous with your money? Are you generous with your attention? Are you generous with your time? I know this might sound silly, but there are men watching me right now who have been married for quite some time, and you'd like 2023 to be a better year for your marriage, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the best advice possible. If you are more generous with your wife, your marriage would improve dramatically. Generous with your attention. Generous with your words. I am convicting myself, church, okay? It's just real stuff. Like, if just eye contact with your spouse would go a long way, are you living free? Are you like me? I can get in a conversation with Chelsea after 23 years of marriage, and frankly, I'm not in the conversation. I'm just having it, but I'm not in it. My mind is, I got this to do this, and that. You know oh really bad oh how was your day oh great 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 and I'm not I'm not being generous in my mind and my thoughts and my focus and in my intention and in my engagement I'm I'm letting my mind wander and I'm just kind of going through the marriage monotony engagement sometimes Chelsea can't tell the truth is a lot of the times she can does Chelsea always say something no I don't think we do all the time we engage with people we love but you can tell there's kind of an emptiness. They're not engaged. They're kind of distracted. Something's going on. And I'm talking real life stuff here. Are you generous with your words? I love you and thank you. You don't have to be as flowery and overstated and super loud and sometimes as obnoxious as I am with people. Recently, a friend of mine was just like, hey, bro, I I, got to head out. And We talk later, and they're like, yeah, you're just a little loud sometimes, and I just kind of needed a little bit of a break, (laughs) you know? Welcome to my wife's life and my kids, you know? But I, I understand that, but the big picture, like, am I talking too much? Am I being generous as a listener? Am I engaging my friends? Do people need breaks from me because I'm just taking, taking, taking? For instance, one of the ways we're stingy in relationships is we do all the talking, we make all the conversations about ourselves, and the whole relationship is based on what they can give you. And how rarely in our friendships do we orient on a regular basis, how can I give to my friends today? I received a text message this morning from one of my best friends in the whole world, and this was the entire text message. Would you let me know if there is anything I can do for you today? When's the last time you sent a text like that? I mean, just no strings attached, no agenda, just randomly to your friend. Hey, if there's anything I can do for you today, will you let me know? Are we generous? Are our hands open? Is our heart open? Hey, how you doing? When's the last time you truly answered honestly the question, how you doing? How you really doing? I know this might sound strange, and now we're really deep diving for a moment, but bear with me. When's the last time you told yourself the truth about how you're doing? Oh, yeah, this extends. This gets real deep. Are you being stingy with yourself? Are you generous with yourself? Now, don't get me started, because I know enough at 44 to have witnessed a lot of friends and a lot of brothers and a lot of sisters in this life who, frankly, overextend themselves forever everyone except themselves. You have a day off? Ah, uh, you need one. Be still and know that, that I am God, the Scripture says. Are you generous to yourself? Are you getting stillness? Are you getting aloneness? Are you getting time to think about what you think about? To think about what you talk about? To think about what motivates you? To think about How's your heart? How's your soul? How's your brain? How's your body doing? The other night, Chelsea had a heating pad on her back and I said, hey, hold on a second. I didn't know your back was hurting. She's like, oh, just a little twinge, it's fine. And I was, to be honest, I was kissing her. And I was like, hey, what is that? I was like, on top of her kissing her, she's like, oh, it's my heating pad. I was like, oh, she's like, well, my back's been hurting. I'm like, baby, I wanna know when your back's hurting. She's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And I said, come on no, it's not. It's not a big deal. But as her husband, it's like, hey, 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 freely, freely, please tell me if your back's hurting. Tell me how I can help you. I want to hear what I can do. The next morning, she was in the shower, and I said, hey, come on, how's your back feeling? She goes, actually, it's feeling pretty good. And that meant a lot to me. I know it might sound simple. My mom's back has been bothering her. We've been talking about how she can kind of improve the state of her back and just the other night, we were watching tennis together and, and I was just spending some time with my mom. And I said, can you tell me what the pain's really like on a daily basis? Come to find out, she's been in a lot of pain. My mom, thank you for sharing. And then I thought, man, I need to ask more. Freely, freely. This is one of those sermons, I gotta be honest with you, my sermons don't get much more practical than this. Are you living free? i give you three questions to ask yourself from Matthew chapter 10 and verse eight and the commission of Jesus to his disciples. Again, you have been given these things freely. Now live freely. And here's three questions I want you to ask. Let me say it like this. Here's three questions I want us to ask ourselves, me and you together. Here's the first one. Am I keeping score? Am I keeping score? Here's another one. Am I owed anything? And then my last one, am I beholden to people's expectations? Now, what I have just done for you is basically told you the three things that really begin to hinder my free life. I just told you. Judah, where'd you get these three questions? You do research and study and data, and well, well no, I... I got them from my own consternation and my own challenge. Am I keeping score? Ooh, I love to compete. Ooh, I love sports. I'll I'll be honest with you. Y'all remember the early days of COVID and there was no sport? It was all replay? Yeah, yeah. I was the guy going, like, to my DVR, and saying, all right, I'm gonna watch some old sports. Yeah, I'm that guy. I was watching replay of old sports because I love sports. I love competition. I love keeping score. I love that there is a definitive end oftentimes unless it's a tie in the NFL, which is really not a great idea, but you know, it's for TV time and structure and contracts. I get it, but I hate tying, but, but I love competing and man, that's bled into my life sometimes. And all of a sudden you start keeping score. Well, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians that you love, 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verse five, that love keeps no record of wrong. Let me say it plainly. Love, the love that comes from God, doesn't keep score. In fact, that love tells you, you don't wanna keep score. It's not good, right? For the wages of our error and selfishness, the Bible says, is death. The score says, God is perfect, we are not. He is owed and deserves everything. We are owed and deserve nothing. And yet, God graciously gives and gives and gives. Are you keeping score? One of the the signs of keeping score in my own life is that feeling that suddenly you're behind. Isn't that a weird sensation? I'm behind. I'm just behind. COVID was such an interesting experience, and that is the kindest way I can say that, of course. Um, but the social media phenomenon during the time where we were all um, in our respective homes, and I can't think of the term right now, but we were all. Um, I'll say hunkering down in our homes, but I forget the term that we used, and I actually don't want to remember it, so we're just going to leave it at that, but we were all supposed to stay home, and social media became kind of our outlet, Uh, and so I engaged even more so on social media. Maybe you remember that church a little bit, and um, man, I got to be honest with you. Social media sometimes is the ultimate scoreboard. And it just gets me thinking and wondering, and then I'm wondering, are we doing enough? And that pastor and that leader and that entertainer and that personality is doing this, this, am I doing it? And all of a sudden you start to keep score. Bible says, don't compare yourself amongst yourselves. Why? There's no wisdom in it. There's no wisdom. It doesn't add anything in your life. You keeping score is not adding anything worthwhile to your human journey why are you keeping score? We could stop keeping score today, and then tomorrow decide on that day we're not going to keep score on that day. You can stop keeping score. You just stop keeping score on the respective day you're in. That's it. Just that day. And then the next day, the wonderful, gracious, heavenly Father will be there, and he'll help you not keep score on that day. Are you keeping score? Love keeps no record of wrong. The Bible says that God has forgotten our evil, self, evil, selfish ways, and he has separated us from them. There's so much there. Um, the other question, am I owed anything? Forgive me, Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, as I forgive my debtors. Do you, do you have debtors? Do you have people... I actually think one of the practices in the Western world, and I do it too, and I don't think it's good, is, man, I owe you. Hey, man, I owe you. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a whole church, a bunch of people all over the world who were just like, you don't owe me nothing. One philosopher wrote that really man owes each other, respected mankind only owes each other this. Love and respect. I respect you because you're a human being. You're the centerpiece of God's creation. And I love you because you are me and I am you. We're one of the same. We're in the family, the family of God. Beyond that, you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe anyone anything. Isn't that like a friend with who always gives stuff with strings attached, right? Um, I don't know about you, but the air kind of gets sucked out of the room when I have those experiences where people are like, hey, man, you know, I've been kind of waiting to, you know, make my call. This, this is my ask, man. I'm making my ask. Would it be possible? And you're like, whoa, that's kind of an unusual arrangement. My closest friends, we don't talk like that. Hey, man, I, but we've all had those experiences where like, hey, I, I, you know, I'll get you back. I owe you. And they're like, hey, I wanted to kind of call in uh, call in my big ass, man. I'd love to. And something in the human psyche goes, whoa, I'm, this is different. And there's not a lot of freedom there. And lastly, am I beholden to people's expectations? Those three really go together. They're very much a mesh, aren't they? Right, this idea of keeping score, this idea of, earning, deserving, and being owed something, to this idea of people's expectations. And before you know it, if you have ever experienced these three dynamics in your life, I have all at the same time, it is crippling. You're in your head, you second-guess yourself, and frankly, you are not free to be who you really are. My passion in these last few moments that we share is to see you experience a level of freedom maybe you've never experienced before, freely, freely. And we can't go any farther in the conclusion of this sermon without making a very important statement. And that is, life is a gift. How pompous and arrogant are we? <laughs> How'd you get here? How'd I get here? I didn't work for it, deserve it, earn it, warrant it. It just, well, I was born and I arrived. Life is by definition an actual gift. And so here's the concluding question that I hope is so riveting, so provocative that it actually impacts you at the core of your soul. Here's my question. Am I withholding what was freely given to me? I'm gonna ask it again, because here's how we don't live free. Am I withholding anything that was freely given to me? And that leads us to one of the most challenging is a nice word, parables that Jesus ever authored and spoke. You can find it in Luke 7. You can find it in Matthew chapter 18. And it's a, it's a parable. Peter is said to have asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who wrongs me? Now, in Jesus' time, it should be known that the rabbis taught in the local synagogues at that time that it was required that you do three times Three times. If someone wrongs you one time, forgive them. Wrongs you two times, forgive them. Wrongs you three times, forgive them. Wrongs you four times, you don't have to forgive them. That was the status quo amongst those who practiced their faith in the synagogues in Judaism. So then Peter, thinking he'd be bold, says, you know, basically suggests seven times? I'm willing to do it seven times, God. And I think Peter thought he was gonna really impress Jesus with his freedom. And Jesus said 70 times 70, which, of course, is 490 times, but that's not the point. He's not saying on the 491st time that person offends you, you don't have to forgive them. That's the exact opposite of the spirit mentality, perspective, and attitude that Jesus is propagating. He is saying you just keep forgiving. How? How do I live on this level of freedom? How do I... You ever met some people? You're just like, all that you have been through? Just yesterday, a friend of mine sent me a photo of an 80-year-old man who had grown-up in Arkansas in this country, and had experienced enormous amounts of injustice. I can only imagine, and his story was incredible. And my friend said, he's just so full of joy. Have you met these compelling individuals who their life story is so outrageous? Dr. John Perkins is one of the great heroes of my whole life. One of the reasons for that is that Dr. Perkins, his path and his journey has been laden with pain and injustice and wrong and beatings and murders. And yet I've never met anyone like Dr. Perkins. His love, his care, his compassion, his jovial nature, general outlook on life, It's free, he's free. Ever been around somebody and you don't say it like this, but it's their freedom that is magnetic. They seem untethered to the pain and trauma and tragedy that had been done against them. And you think, I wanna be buoyant like that person. Well, how do you do it? Well, Jesus says to Peter, Seven times? How about 490 times? Peter's brain and the disciples must have been like kind of on tilt. Like, wait, what, bro? And then he says, there was two people. There was a debt that was owed. And the debt was um, 10,000 denarii or 10,000 talents. The point was 10,000 is basically like that's the amount of money that a whole village in those days would generate in a year. It was an unfathomable sum that he was owed a particular king or politician or ruler. And Jesus is a Jesus story. It's a parable. He authored it. It's true, I'm sure, in terms of it, it happened, but this is just a story he's telling to illustrate his point. And he says, this man, you know, the king says, Listen, I want my, I want these millions and millions of dollars. And man just falls down because the king says, look, I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna incarcerate you if you can't pay him. And the man falls on his hands and his knees and he says, I can never repay it. And his whole lifetime, he could never work enough to repay it. And the king says, all right, forget it. I forgive you. Go live your life. And the man was thought, wow. Jesus tells the story. That day, he walks out of probably the palace, the throne room, walks onto the streets and sees a man who owes him a 100 bucks essentially. He says to the man who owes, where's my $100? Where's my $100 bill? The man has no 100 The story, it seems to elude, the man doesn't even have $1. And he says, I, I, I just don't have it. And and the man who had just received a debt cancellation of multiplied millions throws the man who owes him a $100 into the local jail. Jesus says. The king finds out and. Calls that man back in and says, really? I forgave you millions and you can't forgive a hundred dollars. Maybe you will serve time in my jail in prison. It's heavy, man, I mean. Jesus, that's that shared in Luke, Luke seven, Matthew eighteen. You're like dang, Jesus, that is intense, yeah. What's he saying? If you are watching this and you have received the free gift of forgiveness, I want you to know how freely you have received. You have freely received forgiveness. You have freely received acceptance, and you have freely received love. You didn't earn it, deserve it, and warrant it. Not even your physical features you know, warranted it. There's nothing about you that God says, well, this one deserves my forgiveness. This one deserves my. Oh, well, the thief on the cross said, remember me. He didn't say, I'll get off this cross and live a perfect life. He's a thief. He's a crook. He wasn't good at all. And he said, remember me. And Jesus says, it's done. You'll be with me forever in paradise. What? The thief stole heaven. Why? because God, through his son Jesus, gives forgiveness and acceptance and love freely. Now, let the camera zoom in on you and let the camera zoom in on the wrong that's been done to you and ask yourself, are you withholding anything that you have been given freely? And here's where the impetus is. Here's where the power is. It's not in focusing on how to forgive that person. How could you? How would you? I am not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form, this is a logical legal deduction where you figure out that there's actually Uh, cause for you to forgive that person. There are some of you, what was done to you has caused incarceration for people who broke even the laws of this country or your respective country. And frankly, they might be locked up for the rest of their life for what they did to you, but don't let it lock you up. Forgive them. Set them free. Knowing that the debt that was canceled for you is far greater than whatever has been done against you. You have been forgiven the wages of sin, my friend. The wage of sin is what? It's not a lifetime in prison, it's immediate execution. So Jesus was executed, sinless and perfect, so that he could pay the wage, he could pay the penalty, He could pay your sentencing, mine and yours, and our sentencing was eternal incarceration and torment for what we had done. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Freely, freely. I think what's in front of you is an open-hearted, open-handed life, and it's yours if you so desire and if I could be so bold, if you so choose. This is not um, like every other sermon I preach. This is definitely one of those sermons that kind of goes, on the important scale, just right close to the top of what's most important in life. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to feel so lonely You don't have to feel so isolated. You don't have to feel so wronged. You don't have to feel so forgotten. You don't have to feel so left for dead. You can focus on Jesus and your heart can go from hard to soft and your hands can go from clenched to open and your whole disposition and your whole being and body can alter when you recognize the debt that has been canceled on your behalf. Did you know that the Mayo Clinic scientifically have proven that grudges, as they called it in their research, grudges relinquished or released can improve your physical mental health in a very significant way. What I'm talking about is not merely supported By the canon and divine and divinely inspired scripture. It is also proven in science. It's also proven in psychology. This is real. Sometimes I preach sermons. And I get an overwhelming sensation that God zoomed in the camera on you because he loves you so much. And he's saying, hey, hey. This one's for you. Let him go. Let him go. Well, I'll let him go, but it's still going to bother me, and then you'll let him go again. Well, Judah, I'm watching this on a Monday afternoon, and I've been so angry at them today. Let it go. Well, what will I do when the anger comes back? Let it go. How? Remember Jesus. How else? Tell your friends, I'm going to be a forgiver tell people in the community, can you help me? I might need to forgive my dad every day, but I wanna be a forgiver. I wanna live freely, freely. How free are you? You are free, 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 free. I don't know if I said it seven times, but that'd be the idea, the number of completion. You are completely free. Now, whether or not you wanna live like it and experience all of its benefits, I have to leave it with you. And I gotta be honest with you, there are days, and there will be more, where this exact sermon is the opposite of how I feel and how I think. But by the grace of God, sometimes it takes a whole day, sometimes I miss a few days, Here comes the overwhelming sense of God's graciousness towards me. One person said life is a lot like climbing the monkey bars. Remember those on the old playground here in the USA? The monkey bars are, you know, basically like a ladder drop down and you climb on it. And the big catch with monkey bars is if you're gonna get across eventually, You gotta let go, and you gotta grab. If we're gonna get on with this life that is for living, this freedom that's so that we live free, we gotta let go. And the only impetus and power, sustaining consistent power every day that I have found to live free and be a forgiver And to live generous with my money and generous with my words and generous with my attention and focus is remembering how generous God has been to me through his son, Jesus. He said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. So I lay before you an invitation to further the abundant life in your journey. Freely, freely. I know it sounds simple and I've gone long enough, but it's like, freely, freely. I just wanna like, wanna spray paint it in bright red over the top of the door that you go in and out of every day. Freely, freely. May that be who you are, freely, freely. Worried about money, freely, freely. Worried about relationships, freely, freely. Worried about your future, freely, freely. Worried about your income, freely, freely. Worried about if everything's going to work out and your kids are going to be healthy, freely, freely. We're going to trust him and we're going to rely on him. I love you, church. Let me pray for you, God. We we just kind of sitting standing here right now. I just recognize the magnitude of the moment. It's not a little or light or even arbitrary thing at all that we're talking about. This is well. It's the reason we're still here because you have not counted our sins against us. Thank you. We are so free. Help us live free. Help us be forgivers. Help us be generous in forgiveness. Generous with our time, attention, resources. Help us to be givers in this life. I declare at church home, we're givers. And may the words freely, freely over the top of our whole life. We're gonna be generous, free people because of you, Jesus. If you're watching this wherever you are in the world and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, I wanna invite you to do that right now. And guess how you do it? Not by earning it or deserving it or warranting it, or this would be the worst sermon ever preached. You literally just receive it. It's that simple. If you believe Jesus is God. He's the only one that can forgive you if you're wrong, your error, and your sin, and you can spend eternity with the divine. And say this, I do. Or this, I receive you, Jesus. And right now, wherever you are, friend, South Africa, Australia, New York, Paris, Rome, Finland, Switzerland, Saudi Arabia, wherever you are, free and you're forgiven forever. I love you, church. Thank you for leaning in with me. Thank you for listening. And I pray as your day progresses, or maybe you fall fast asleep and wake up tomorrow morning, that you and I, by the grace of God, will live freely, freely.